Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 456. Um, thank you for tuning in and thank you for tuning in every week, man. Even if you don't tune in every week, even if you're in every now and then. I've been doing this for, I want to say, eight years now, every Wednesday. And there's a load of you who tune in week in, week out. And in fact, I guess this week is one of those that tunes in pretty much week in, week out, I believe. It's Mr. Ian Sterling. I was really delighted to chat with Ian. I'm a fan of his comedy. I'd been aware of him in a few different things. And then he was on Taskmaster, and I obviously adore Taskmaster. Um, So I was all over that, and he cracked me up. And now he's got a new comedy special out on Amazon Prime. So, or on Prime. I think I'm not allowed to call it Amazon Prime. I remember when they sponsored at one point, they were all like, just refer to it as Prime. Is it just referred to as Prime? Prime something? Prime TV? I don't know. They're not paying me, so who cares on this one? It's Amazon Prime. You know what it is. It's really good. It's got loads of good stuff. Yeah, and me and Ian have kind of gone back and forth over the years, and I've been meaning to have him on for a while. So when his special was coming out, it was the perfect time to get him on to have a chat. Um, And I loved it, and you're going to hear how much I loved it. But before we get into that... We're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can get all the good merch. The sun's starting to sneak out, so you can get swimwear over there, sunglasses, vests, T-shirts, caps, rucksacks to take things on a nice little adventure. It's all good, speechdevelopmentrecords.com. If you're not into anything there, but you're a fan of the podcast and think I'd quite like to support this, then you can head over to Patreon. That's just a dollar a month to support the podcast. Or if you want to hang out with me a bit, head over to twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio and you can find Ian Sterling over there as well. We're both on Twitch. We've raided each other once or twice, which won't make sense to most of you, but that's fine. If you're thinking, I don't know what Twitch is, it's just an app. It's just a website. It's for streaming. Honestly, don't overthink it and don't panic. If you fancy giving it a look, go and give it a look. It'll be confusing for 10 minutes and then you'll be like, all right, it's just tv except made by individuals rather than big companies um yeah so head over switch and actually if you subscribe to my twitch you get to become part of the this my exclusive discord channel discord's a whole nother thing but i'm loving it i was i was one of you people who sent again i don't really know what discord is a few months back i was one of you guys b dolan has been going on about it for ages and i've been like i don't get it but now i've got it i love it so it's basically i've got my own social media network over there essentially everyone there is a subscriber on my twitch channel so so we can all chat hang out talk about films do all sorts of stuff there but um that's all very confusing let's focus on the podcast um it's ian sterling as said i've been a fan for a minute and it was awesome to find out he's a fan of the podcast so i knew this would be an easy chat so let's get into it this is episode 456 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Is it 456 or f- 556? It's 456, isn't it? Hang on, let me do a double check. It is. I panicked for a second then and thought I'd missed 100 episodes. 456 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful, the voice of Love Island, Mr. Ian Sterling. Oh, actually, before we get into it... <laughs> If this is your first time tuning in, I've had loads of good comedians on, from Lemmy to Stuart Lee to Russell Howard to Sarah Pascoe, Ashlyn B, Jade Adams, loads of really good people. Jump into the the back catalogue. 
Um, in fact, last week's episode with self-esteem is one of the best I've ever done. But yeah, there's loads of people in the back catalog. There's people like Stephen Fry and and Louis Theroux. I had people tweeting me when Action Bronson was over the other week for having him on the pod. He's been on. He came on during the pandemic. Check that out. Go and have a deep dive. Anyway, let's talk to Ian Sterling, shall we? Here he is. we go right i'm here today with ian sterling how are you sir i'm very well thank you man this is a lovely time to start a recording for me 11 o'clock's at the middle of my day now so i feel great yeah oh that's it i kind of um i always choose 11 because i think any earlier than that i normally try and get a workout in in the morning and stuff like that and it gets stressful if you're getting all sweaty when you know you're about to do some work yep and then any later and i think like the whole day's written off so um 11 o'clock is my go-to on an empty day i'm like how's 11 o'clock suit you so i'm glad it fits one of the many perks of what we do for a living 11 o'clock is like a solid morning (laughs) and also 11 o'clock means i can probably catch like a one half one film if i want to go to the cinema now Joys like that are probably off the table for you with um, a, a recent ch- changes in your life. How are you finding this whole parenthood thing? Yeah, it's, it's really like wonderful, really, man. I really, I really love it. Like, um, yeah, it's just like, a, like it's just great. The thing about being a parent is, is that sort of mad thing where it's so completely universal, but the same way it feels so completely alien and, and unique to you. Yeah. So it's sort of like this sort of incredibly life-changing thing, but at the same time, this completely essential in many ways and normal function that many yeah. people go through. So it's sort of, um, yeah, it's great. I, re- I, re- I really, I've, I've taken to it and I've it's sort of mad. upped my game in terms of like organization and stuff. I can fix stuff I never thought I'd be able to fix. I'm oh, changing. Oh, really? Have I'm you had changing. to go full, full grown up? Oh, I'm changing light bulbs, mate. Amazing. I'm changing fuses. I love it. I and love that's it. That's unbelievable. Proper grown up. It's mad. I, I, I've never really th- thought about it, it like that. But you're right. It's the most unique and personal thing that fucking most of the planet also experiences. <laughs> like, it, like loads, nothing loads else. of the planet has already gone through it. It must feel so intimate and personal and unique at the time. But equally, you're like, yeah. Well, obviously, it sort of reminds me of. Do you remember, did you do? Did you do maths? Like, obviously, you have maths at school, but I mean, like, did you do, like the exams and stuff? Yeah. I remember when I was sitting, like, they're called standard grades and hires in Scotland, but GCSE and A level. And I had this week whenever I done a maths exam, I remember thinking, "There's no way anyone else on the planet can do these equations." Like, I must be. It's. I'm like. I'm like Will Hunting or something. Yeah. But at the same time, obviously pretty much everyone's doing maths and english as standard it's that same sort of idea where you're like everyone else can't do this but everyone does yeah completely those unique ideas and moments that are the most obvious things again i mean you 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 must have experienced that developing as a comedian as well right because again that's the standard thing of 
when you're a young comedian, you're probably coming up with all these things that you think are so groundbreaking and edgy and wonderful. And then you spend a bit of time on the circuit and you go like, all right. <laughs> a lot of people have had this thought. <laughs> Do you know what I find funny, about, weirdly about that is, I sort of find maybe when I first started out, I was sort of inadvertently doing a lot more stuff that was innovative and groundbreaking. Because yeah. then you've not seen as much stuff, so you've not got that to point of reference. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas then when you're around enough comedians, you're like, oh, yeah, airplanes are a nightmare. And you go, <laughs> and then your brain starts going down that alleyway. Um, but yeah, I'm so, in terms of stand up as well, like, I'm so glad I'd done it as young as I did. Because I think yeah. I did throw myself into the sort of like the insanity of it all and like the giving up your weekends and your evenings and putting yourself in these sometimes especially gigging in, in Scotland, dangerous situations that I think yeah. if I'd been in my late 20s, 30s, I would have been like, fuck this for a laugh. I'm going yeah. to go watch football with my friends or whatever. This is mad. I've gone to Kirk and Tillich, to a pub <laughs> where they've refused to turn the football off. So yeah. it's in a pub annoying people. I love it. Well, 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 there's loads I want to talk to you about and I want to get round to Taskmaster at some point um, because I'm a big fan and I thoroughly enjoyed you on that. But while we're on stand-up, I kind of want to ask where you are in that world, I guess, because you've got a really weird situation. Like, you've just got your new special out. As this comes out, it'll be available on Amazon. I watched it a couple of nights ago and absolutely loved every oh, second of it. Oh, thank you so much, man. That really means a lot. I thought it was so much... There was just so much joy in it, as strange as, as that sounds. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. But how do you feel in the comedy scene? Because you've got a really weird situation where... As you say, you've been doing this since you were young. I remember you being up at the the, the fringe at times. I was there years ago. You you were a runner up as young as is it young comedian of the year or student comedian of the year? Charles old student comedian of the year, yeah. yeah, and things like that. But you've got really famous off the back of something that's nothing to do with comedy at all. So it's a really yeah. weird situation of your. It will. It may seem from the outside. Oh, the bloke who does the voice on on Love Island is doing comedy now, and it's quite the opposite. The bloke who is doing comedy is the voice on Love Island now. So, how do you find that as your place in the scene in in comedy? I've been thinking of this a lot more as I've got older, and I find that what I've always done on telly has not always necessarily run concurrently with like my stand up. So, like I originally started out, out doing like kids tv so yeah depending on your your age i was like in like the broom cupboard sort of like got like philip schofield gordon the gopher i was it was ian sterling and hacker the dog mate oh uh, hacker is on my list of things i want to talk about because i think underrated genius of 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 tv and comedy have you watched him on mastermind Yes, I have actually. I have that. that I didn't realize. So recently, I've recently become obsessed with Hacker because of the clips that have been going around of him innocent, and his current innocent, host. Innocent men, innocent men. Oh, mate, it's just destroyed me. And every time I watch it, again, it's another one. It's just absolute joy. And I'd forgotten I had seen Hacker on Mastermind. Yeah, a, a while back, and I loved that shit. Right? How? <laughs> How was that? Again, as as you know from this podcast, we'll go off on numerous tangents. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. talk to me about Hacker. That must have been a hell of a, a period in your life. Well, the funny thing about that is, so I got this job presenting on kids' TV when I was still at university, but they let me like finish my degree and stuff. 
And I came down, and the plan was always to do kids' TV for like a few months, get my foot in the door, and be a stand-up. And then I met Phil Fletcher, who is Hacker the Dog. And originally, I'd been paired up with another puppet who was great, but he was quite new, and I was quite new, so the channel, like, we can't have these two new people. So then I was getting put with Basil Brush. Oh, wow. And then Basil Brush, um, I don't know what happened with that, but I'm, I like to think the... The people in charge of Basil watched my videos and thought he's getting nowhere near Basil, this guy. So basically, long story short, we got <laughs> stuck with Hacker the Dog, um, who was puppeteered by Phil Fletcher. And me and him just became like best friends. We didn't know anyone in London. We ended up living together. We oh, were wow. working Monday to Friday, like 10 hour days, then having a drink in the pub, then going to bed in the house together messing about in the weekends, making these like mad YouTube videos that I think are still probably up there, like just silly stuff. He's got a character called Keith Teeth and I made a video called like a man that lives with puppets and stuff. And because we got on so well, we ended up just doing it. it ended up lasting like three, four years. And then, yeah, I stopped doing that to basically focus on stand-up. I got offered to tour support for Russell Kane and Edinburgh had started to go quite well and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take the plunge. But I still see Phil a lot and like, I would love to do something with Hacker in the future. Like, I think he's just, such a talented performer and we've got such similar sense of humour. We both loved like Richard Herring, Stuart Lee, yeah. Vic and Bob and we would just use all that stuff on kids TV and we were just, because it was this live thing that was gone and it wasn't recorded or put anywhere, it was, we were sort of left our own devices. So it became this really fun thing to do. But again, it's funny, we were doing this stuff that now, which is so weird because of that clip with Hacker, a few of our clips have now started going around and people are finding them really funny but back in the day when it was on telly, I was just, it was just seen as like, I was this guy that done kids TV and I'd done this kids stuff. And I don't think yeah. anyone would watch it and be like, oh, that's really funny. So it's, it's what I love about the, the approach. And again, I've, I've seen a, f- a few cl- a clips of you, of you guys, cause it is just really f- funny for grown ups and for kids, but it's not in the way that like sometimes, like there was definitely a point in the seventies or eighties where it was all meant to be a little, Nod and oh. a wink to the parents. It's not that. It's not that. It's just something weird that works f- for everyone as such on different levels. It's not trying to be, hey, dads, you like this bit. You I'm know, not a not- huge I'm not a huge fan of that whole thing of like, oh, this is actually about I'm yeah. actually talking about my dick, but I'm not really. Yeah, I think yeah, it's exactly. something sort of unsettling about that, really. I completely agree. Um, so it was, we're just doing stuff. I mean, the other day, the other thing is we were doing it five days a week, Monday to Friday. So if we didn't do stuff that we found funny, we would just drive ourselves mad, really. Yeah. And I think we also did drive ourselves mad, which is why we had that. I remember once, this is like 10 years ago, Richard Herring tweeted that he was watching kids TV. So we just thought it might be CBBC. So we just opened every link with a line from a Richard Herring stand-up special for no reason. <laughs> So like these like eight year olds were turning on the telly and we were like, oh, someone likes yoga, which is like a niche reference to like one of his stand up DVDs from years ago. Amazing. Um, and then, yeah, we were just doing that and it was really fun and it went and like it went it went really well in that world, but it didn't really translate into sort of like grown up stuff, if you know what I mean. And the, mm. the Internet was still in its infancy. I mean, I've got all so many Ian and Hacker stuff, but it's still on Digibeta, which I mean is going wow. to cost me an absolute fortune to convert all that. You're yeah. saying about your computer with all the files. I've got boxes and boxes at my parents' house of this old Digibeta, which I hope hasn't like perished over time. Yeah. 
But yeah, it was the same sort of idea as Love Island. I was sort of seen as this one thing. But but I was doing something I felt was legitimately quite funny and still doing well at stand-up. It, it, it makes me think of, and this might be an off-reference, but of Trevor and Simon, who were, who were again, were genuinely doing funny shit. It was mm-hmm. for kids, but it's funny. And equally, you mentioned Vic and Bob earlier. You could have put Vic and Bob on kids' TV and it would have worked amazingly. Kids would have gone crazy for it because it's so stupid and silly, but yeah. it, it it's clearly like comedy genius. So... I like, as I said, I like that, as and as, as you say, rather than the, oh, the, oh, this is an innuendo that the kids won't get. It's like, all right, well, the, well don't bother then. <laughs> yeah, there's something great about, um, like, I actually look back on those old CBBC days and feel like going forward, it's something I want to, like, try and move towards in terms of my stand-up and stuff. I feel like you when you take away being able to be crass or rude or political, you really try harder to be, like, funnier in like a more interesting way i feel like it's the same i'm a big like like my films and stuff as well and like all the great films generally speaking had some sort of mad restriction on them whether it be like budget or weather yeah. or whatever yeah. and it was working around that that made it fucking great yeah whereas we all know i mean there's a few exceptions you know if you're into your marvel or whatever but when you get given a big budget and all the time in the world just it doesn't nothing happens and it just doesn't get done as it should so there's something funny about us being in a room with us literally a security camera and like (laughs) no budget for props and all that and just being silly and i sort of in a way i want to get back to that eventually and make my own maybe make a bit of my own stuff and like just go back to just dicking about for the sake of it because i think that translates onto the screen yeah i completely agree so going back to to the kind of uh, the, the love island relationship with comedy or or with your stand-up as such as said how is that because yeah it's 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 a weird parallel right that you're you're working away doing your stand-up and then you you blow up on one of the biggest shows on tv being the voice of it does that bring more people to to your stand-up does that make you think you need to change the style of your stand-up how does it all all relate with each other so there's a couple of um prongs that really i remember at the very beginning there was the idea of like people sort of knew that I was the voice of Love Island, but that's all they really knew. So there was that sort of idea they didn't really know I did stand up. I'd get these funny questions, like even at like house parties and stuff, like how long have you been a voice artist? Like I'd sort of like from the age of eighteen been training to do voiceover on reality TV, and like <laughs> yeah. just so <laughs> that finally incredibly... got the big gig. It's your Olympics. Well, at the time, it was that or come down with me. That was the two. It was like I was basically <laughs> yeah. just training to do come down with me my whole life. Yeah. So it was sort of, I found it funny that people were like, that's what I've always done for a job. So there was the idea, it was that sort of idea that no one really knew that I did stand up. So it was like trying to, you, you wanted those people to know that, know that I did stand up because obviously you'd get a bigger audience. I mean, before Love Island started, I was doing like, I probably wasn't even really touring. And if I was touring, it might be in Scotland and like small comedy like this. I could do like the stand or something like that, yeah. which. And, and not not even fill it, but I'd have enough people that it would be like a fun time, you know? So there was that. And then I guess, I don't know, I always wonder with the, like now I'd say I get, a, like everyone else, I'm just at that stage where I'm sort of known as a stand-up. So I just sort of attract people that would come to stand-up gigs. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when it first blew up, I'd done Edinburgh and I was in quite a small room. To give like an idea of when it first went mad, I was in this like 100-seater room at the festival. And um, I remember I was going to, 
because I have water on stage, I thought I'll drink from the Love Island water bottle. I'll not reference it, but it'll be like a funny nod. Yeah. And then I had it on stage on a stool. And then when the Edinburgh run started happening, people were like getting photos taken with it. Like when they walked in the room, they were excited. So then like me and my friend Joe, who's now my tour manager, we put the bottle in like this pool of lights so when people came in, it was just sitting on a stool and the light and people were getting like selfies with it. I had a whole like bit of stand up at the beginning about how people were more excited when they walked in the room and saw the water bottle than when I came out and started talking it. and stuff. So there was definitely like, I'm not naive to it. There was definitely this turning point when I went from doing small rooms at the Edinburgh Fringe to like the show was sold out before I went to the festival and people were like absolutely off, like losing their nut over a water bottle. So mm. I was like, Right, there's a change here. Yeah. Um, and maybe there was a bit of a an adjustment, but like, it's funny. I don't know if it's like the gap of like lockdown or just because I've been doing it for like five, six years now and people have adjusted to it. But I know like now I'll get, people will be more in a room, more vocal when I mention, say like Hacker the Dog or maybe yeah. even Taskmaster now than if I mention Love Island. I don't know if that's, because not necessarily they're more excited excited about those things but they just sort of know the love island thing now that that's sort of taken yeah. as red but um yeah so it, it is funny and it was a it was an adjustment i don't i feel like sometimes and maybe again we're all performers maybe this is my like insecurity as a as a performer and stuff i have this image in my head that a lot of um other comedians and just punters back home have just got this image of me doing the hammers with Apollo and there's just 3,000 people in swim shorts and fake tans coming <laughs> to watch the gig, which isn't the, which isn't the case. I love it. I love the idea of it. So, I mean, y you touch upon it in your stand-up. It's always awkward if you've watched as someone's stand-up because I don't want to cue you to do your routines because no, no comedian wants to do that. But you touch upon this in your stand-up. How was it when... Love Island blew up and you're kind of a huge part of it at that point the biggest show in the country in the world I guess but it's only your voice it's, n it's not your face no one really knows who you are yeah. um, but everyone knows y your voice as such I guess, and, and also how was it having it blow up because when you do voiceover work as I said other than come down with me there's probably a lot of those types of shows that aren't particularly successful, aren't particularly big or on small channels or whatever else that you kind of think, I'll do this and forget about it and not necessarily know it's going to be yeah. a, a life changer as such. Genuinely, when it sort of went absolutely mad, which was series three, it's like, it's the best feeling in the world and not because, oh, this is, and this is going to sound, a, it'll make sense when I've, like get to it but like and when i say it's the best film in the world not in terms of like oh this is a success or we're all going to do so well out of this the whole team are out in spain for like eight weeks and a lot of them work on like i'm a celeb and stuff like that so a lot of the team are away from their families and homes for like months on end and we've done series one which was um, like honestly it's just so great and there's a couple in there called john and hannah who are to this day one of my favorite couples ever and it's just it was just amazing and we knew it was great. And the whole team knew this show was like, we were all obsessed with it in the same way that people became obsessed with it. And then we're in Spain. So like, and we're with this team of like 400 people that work on the show. So it's sort of our only thing we've got in common. So when the show started going well, and like we'd have friends getting, like people were setting up WhatsApp groups and we'd hear about our friends in WhatsApp groups. And then 
our friends would be texting us being like, I was on the tube to work and someone had it on their phone watching it on the way to work. And as a unit, we were all just so excited. And me personally, I, like to go back to like Ian and Hacker thing where I'd made this thing that I was really proud of and I thought was genuinely really funny. And in the world of kids TV, people liked it. But outside of that world, that was just like, oh, that's kids TV. We'll not bother looking yeah. at that. I was finally involved in this thing where I was like, oh, we've made something we think's great and people are watching it and they think it's great. And then there was this amazing time around England had that deep run. Yeah. Was it the World Cup or the Euros? I think it was the, I can't sure. remember. Yeah. I think it was Euros. Yeah, it must have been. Must have been Euros because like Croatia, Germany, yeah. stuff like that. And then like everyone was just like, because it's obviously a mainly English team, mainly English team on the Love Island, buzzing for the football, buzzing for Love Island. There was all these memes like, watching the football watching love island and it was like it was felt like you're part of something like really important and like it was just dead dead exciting and brexit was just bubbling up and there wasn't yeah. really that sort of like negativity that's in the air a lot of the minute around politics and the world and stuff and rightfully so but it, yeah it just felt a mate it just felt like so exciting and we were so excited for the people on the show who were coming out and doing all this fun stuff and they were so buzzed as well and like like I can't. I don't think I'll ever be part of anything like that ever again. Especially not something where I'm in it. I'm just literally there. I've got. I'm not seeing my friends on a on a Tuesday night to play five aside or going to the cinema or anything. I'm just literally doing the show and then going for dinner and a few drinks with people who work on the show. And it was just yeah. yeah it was it was electric, man. Like it was absolutely electric. Yeah. So 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 how was it to to move away from that? And what was the kind of yeah? Or what's been your thought process? Moving away from, like, when I came, like, coming back from Spain once you've, like, done it and stuff? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To return to kind of stand-up life and, and all that kind of thing. And, and the thing you'd been focused on prior to this amazing, amazing break. Yeah, I suppose it's a, it's a weird adjustment. And it is also, like, the other weird adjustment is, not again, not necessarily my face, but, like, my voice became well-known. But I wasn't in the country for two and a half months right yeah so i'd come home and then like i'd go from like having 30 people come to see me do stand up to like people asking me to do voice notes on the tube it was sort of like <laughs> that overnight thing where you're like this is actually this is mad yeah there was no slow build as the show got big it was like the show got big i came home i can no longer take a phone call on the train like do you know yeah. what i mean it was like <laughs> yeah. which again is that that is that that has died down i love that that it's like clark kent taking off his glasses it's like you're completely anonymous and then if you have to answer the phone faces will start to look round. i'll be hang on what this is <laughs> that's a mad one <laughs> It's the app. It's the thing that confirms it in people's heads. I'll be on a train sat next to someone, and in a minute they go, "Would you like a drink?" Oh, yeah, coffee, please. And the the person next to me goes, "I, f- I fucking do it with you." <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I lean into it when I order the coffee. I'm like, "A coffee, please." Like, I really go for it. <laughs> or if I'm feeling in a bad mood, I'll put on like a Scouse accent or something. Let the people know. Um, well, I want to talk about your journey kind of from like moving down from Scotland to London as said you came down and were doing kids tv at first how was that because you 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 grew up in Edinburgh right yeah from Edinburgh like born and raised sort of thing yeah and had you started doing comedy before you came down yeah so I got the kids tv job through stand-up basically 
So when I done that Chortle Student Comedian of the Year final, yeah, the uh, the clip, I came second to Joe Lyset. Yeah, I was full time kids TV presenter then. They gave me the day off to go up to do that competition. Wow! So I'd already graduated. So it was, that was yeah, it was a it was a weird one. But so yeah, I was doing stand up, and it was actually I'd went down to London to do the comedy store, and um, some woman just came up to me after the gig. She that wasn't I wouldn't say she was hammered, but she'd had a few drinks, and she was like, "Oh, I work for CBBC. We'd like you to come in for an audition." And when you start out in stand up, particularly your stand ups, but mine's anyway, it's rude because you just want our reaction. So yeah. where so the whether it's laughs or whether it's like shock. So I just had like really basic stuff about like you know lots of stuff you definitely couldn't do jokes about now and so i thought she was joking so i just went home i just thought it was a mad drunk lady and then the comedy (laughs) store phoned me a few days later and said that woman that was offered to put you in a hotel to audition for was wasn't joking and you probably should have stayed um so yeah long so short i got the job and then like so i've had my last exam on a thursday moved to london on the friday and then done live telly on the monday and you were st- studying law, right? Yeah, law. Again, yeah. Not what you'd expect for comedian, <laughs> Love Island kids. TV. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I studied it well, but I I tried my absolute best. Like, yeah, I love. It's that. hard as well because I was writing my. I got given the actually physically given the job like five, like four, four months or something before my exams. So like trying to motivate yourself to do exams when you've got that, yeah, was pretty tricky. Yeah, when you've got these other yeah distractions and and and, f- and full career paths waved in front of you, yeah. it's literally so, it's a full. Here's everything you've been studying and working for. Here's something completely different. <laughs> it's essentially then, saying this could probably all be a waste of time. Now, now come over here and do this. So, all right, cool. I'll really knuckle down on this last bit. <laughs> it's just like I mean, you're on. Um, you're trying to study, and you're on the Wikipedia page. You can't help yourself. I was only 20 looking yeah. at like all the former kids TV presenters and being like, what do they do now? And I'm like, right, looking at all these names, I've got about a 35% chance of having a lifelong career, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was mad. And again, it's the sort of thing why I'm glad, I'm sort of glad I got into stand up and stuff young because that's actually a massive, like now I just took the job, went to London, didn't think about it, but I'd never, you know what I mean? I'm from Edinburgh. I never left. Like, so it's mad to think that I just went to London. I don't know if I'd do it now, but yeah, I just didn't give it a second thought. I love that stuff, man. That those th- things of youth that when you tell the story now, people will be like, oh, "That was a brave decision" or whatever else, and you can kind of re-remember it in that way. But at the time, no, it wasn't. You just didn't think about it. It just, it just happened. I did with starting my music career. It wasn't until I was being interviewed years later. I quit my job in a record store and just went on tour and decided to focus on music. And um, I threw everything away and just focused on getting an album out there and all that. And it wasn't until I was being interviewed 10 years later that someone was like, so how had music been going until then? And how were gigs until then? I was like, oh, I'd never played a gig. Oh, I'd not, I'd not done anything. I just decided, <laughs> it's like, that's fucking stupid looking back. It's seen as brave, but you know, like none of that crossed my mind. And similarly, you're you're doing your final exam living in edinburgh and someone goes do you want to come and live in london and be a kids tv presenter you're like yep all right I've yeah it's like now <laughs> my poor my poor my parents like i was the first person of my family to go to university i'm doing law at university and i get offered a free month contract on like presenting kids tv on a show that no one really watches or you know and i'd like 
sacked it all off. So yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I think there's a. I do feel like um, in your life, you've got like. I think I'd like to think you've got like a couple. You've got like one or two times when you can be really brave. Yeah. And then like after that becomes really, especially as like stand up. I think it's um, Stuart Goldsmith. I think it is puts it really nicely where he's like stand ups are brave once, basically when you first do stand up, and then it's really hard to be brave again whether yeah. it's like change up what you do i'm sure it's the same That's for really musicians like yeah change up what you do or move on a different path or you mean turn down that big record deal or that big tv deal but yeah. you've got you've got you've got one bravery in you and that's yeah. normally to do it and then you're maxed out and then you just sort of the path of least resistance from then on in <laughs> yeah completely so, so so how was that arriving in london because Equally, there is a lot of stand-ups who move, particularly at that kind of time, who move down to London for their stand-up careers, for the comedy circuit in London. So, yeah, how was that? How did that affect everything as you as you came down, essentially for kids' TV, but did it also kind of make you get to hone things or at least change your approach and, and stand-up, I guess? Yeah, well, I could gig a lot more and I got into a few clubs quite quickly. Not all of them, but just enough. I think it was quite lucky because, again, with London, I don't know what the scene's like as much now, but it was quite handy having done stand-up for 18 months because I'd go to these open mic nights and I'd be already have a fairly serviceable 10 minutes and be a bit more established than the new people, and it means you make more of an impact, whereas if you just slowly get better, people don't tend to notice you as much. So mm. it was quite handy on that front. I think... And this isn't a, a criticism of them at all. I think CBBC were a bit funny. Well, the management particularly about me gigging, not necessarily because of the material I was doing or anything, but just like time sort of management. They were like sort of saying to me, oh, you can't really gig outside the M25 and stuff like that because they didn't want me to like, I guess they wanted me to put my all into this presenting thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't do. I mean, I never, <laughs> I never, I mean, the, the funny thing is at that age, I'm more likely to have a bad day in the office because I've been out drinking or whatever than because i yeah done a gig in Reading. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we don't want you gigging outside the M25 because we want you to focus on the show well that just means i'm going to be focusing on my fifa career or yeah. on on the best the best local takeaways or bars but cool cool we'll yeah. do that you would wrap you would i'm rather, still not going to be focusing on the show but cool yeah well you we'll, would we'll, rather i drove to ipswich than got the tube to camden i'll tell yeah. you that for absolute <laughs> free exactly exactly i i love it well i guess continuing on from all that one of the things as i said i need to talk about is it's Taskmaster because that's it's a huge show for comedians, man. And there's yeah. not that many of them. There's not that 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 many of them. I honestly don't think that many shows like Live at the Apollo or whatever. They probably do help careers, but it, I I don't know. There's loads of comedians I've seen on there who I know are brilliant, and yeah. then on there it's like, all right, well that was fine. It it is what it is. So, but shows like and panel shows are a different beast altogether. But Taskmaster is that extended a whole series of seeing who you are yeah. and what your yeah. style is and what your approach is. How was that to get asked and how was it to be part of? To be asked was just unreal. Like I'm such a huge fan of that show. It's that, I think it's a standard thing of like, everyone's got that thing. I don't really watch TV, but, and then it's yeah. like, you've got your like, you mean Taskmaster or yeah. Yeah. whatever, whatever you think. So Taskmaster was my thing. I absolutely loved it. 
also, as we've talked about with telly, my, the stuff I do on telly doesn't always necessarily run along with my stand up. Yeah. I don't, I've not really, the shows growing up that I love, like Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo and Would I Lie to you and stuff, I've not been asked to do those things, which is absolutely, absolutely fine. I Nobody owes me anything. Yeah. So like Taskmaster was the first thing that I'm like, oh, I love this. And I've been asked to, to be in it. That's yeah. so mad. That's madness. Um, it is funny. In retrospect, there is weirdly, there's a, I've got a few that I would do. I think it's because I love it so much. There's things I would have done differently, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never really done many panel shows. So I had this thing in my head was like, I need a, an, an angle, I need my thing. And I went down this like competitive route. But what people, have you watched the, the episodes? I sort of um, weirdly chill out as the series goes on. And I think it's because we film two episodes a day. I don't know if people know this. So it feels like it's like over this period of 10 weeks, I'm just furious. But actually the first four episodes were filmed in two days. And then I sort of went, oh, I think it's a bit much this being that angry all the time <laughs> but then by that point obviously it's been four or five weeks of it being on telly yeah so sometimes i watch it back i love the show i'm i'm really proud of it i'm i'm also dead lucky because i'm really friendly with um lou from through stand-up and then me and paul have the same sort of background of this sort of like itv light ends background but also doing stand-up and then yeah. when i met joe i was a huge fan of in between the others, and he's a, like just one of the most genuinely lovely guys, like so timid and yeah. lovable and stuff. So it was such a great mix, and we, we all got on really well, which was amazing as well. It's one of the best series, I think, lineup wise. Everyone is just, there's such a good range of, of characters. Again, in, like you say about picking an angle, I love talking to people who actually know Joe in real life. And realizing, oh, he wasn't picking an angle or doing a character. That's because he's the one that it seems the most like. He was clearly going, "I'm going to be th- this guy." And they're like, "No, no, that's just how awkward he is. It's wonderful." That's why being next to him, my one, my one slight regret with that show is only because I love it so much. Like my family and friends were watching that, going, "Who, who is this?" <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, my wife a few times went, "That's you." Yeah, I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't say not me because I am. I am competitive. Like I didn't. Yeah. I, I, and when I say pick a character, I'm not walking into the set of Taskmaster going, "This is what I'm going to do." No, but you think about how you want to pr- approach things. Yeah. I think that's maybe it's what I didn't think about is how I want to come across. Yeah. I thought about what's the funniest thing to do, and then because people care about that show so much, and obviously I care about the show so much, and I'm already a bit competitive. When you add the layer of I'm then being competitive because it's funny. Yeah. Not to everyone, but certainly it's also the one, a few people will be like, oh, he's really annoying on that series. He's really competitive. But which it's the internet. People are going to have stuff to say. That's totally fine. I I love you on on Lou's Cuddle Club because the both of you discuss the kind of the backlash of that one task where you kind of yeah snapping at each other or whatever else and again but it's great because you're both like we're mates it was it's an entertainment show we're kind of pissing about it's meant to be high high energy and high tension i feel like a love island contestant when i say this as well because obviously that tasks however many minutes long and it gets cut down to the funny bits (laughs) so the funny thing was 
me, Lou, and um, you do all the team tasks. I, ho- I don't think this is, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I don't think this is like revealing too much, but obviously all the team tasks are done over the space of a day because you're all put together. Like you sort of show up on the day and you realise, oh, it's team task day. Yeah. So we were in a room like in between them setting up the tasks and it wasn't like me, Lou, and Paul were sitting there going, oh, we had a real argument there. We genuinely, like genuinely, we thought nothing had happened. Like yeah. <laughs> nothing had happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but then I will say, and you see it on the show, when I watched the clip back, I did get genuinely ups- like genuinely upset. I think that was yeah. the point when I went, right, this... This isn't working. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, not... not. I mean, again, I, it's not not working. It's not like... And again, the thing I like is I didn't want to go on Taskmaster and, and just be there. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd rather... You'd rather people loved it or hated it than people thought... Or there, there's, I mean, there's five people. You don't want to be like just a, you mean, just someone that makes up the numbers, yeah. which there very rarely is in Taskmaster, is it? Because they always, I mean, they get the best people because it's the best show. Um, but yeah, it would have been. I think the only reason I'm talking about it in this much detail is because I genuinely love it so much. And like when someone contacts me, which again isn't very often, but when they do, the reason it hurts is because it's a thing that I love. So if that, I feel like if that person loves it as well we should have common ground here. So yeah. it's, if someone says to me, ah, I fucking hate Love Island. I'm like, cool. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. What can, yeah. what can, there's very little either of us can do about that situation. Yeah. Uh, but when someone's like, I hated you on Taskmaster, I'm like, oh, fuck, I fuck. love, I love Taskmaster. Yeah. And you yeah. love Taskmaster. We should probably, I bet if we went for a drink, we'd get along. And we both hate me a bit. So that helps things as well. <laughs> well this is all just giving me a, a, a memory of something. I didn't even note down but as i've said to you i've been wanting to have you on this podcast for ages now and it just keep us and i haven't got around to organizing it. it's always been yeah, me yeah. Dr- 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 dropping the ball but when i was mentioning it a year or so ago my bro- a brother said he needs me to thank you because he's sure it was you that brought in the little toilet s- step yeah thing. And he's, yeah. he said it changed his life. He's got one. It's My mum's so got one. Now. He said it absolutely changed his life. And he's like, that was because of when Ian brought it on on Taskmaster. And he's it's like, amazing, right? Yeah. It opens your sphincter right up. Yeah. It's a little stool so your knees go up when you... It's because as um, Neanderthals, we obviously were... We, we put squatting. So yeah. it puts your body in the squatting position. It's yeah. an incredible thing. I'd completely really forgotten is. that until until we were talking Taskmaster. I was like, oh, hang on. There's, there's great appreciation there. <laughs> See, some people love me on that show. The massive impact that you've had <laughs> through that show. I love it. Well, um, I want to talk... I mentioned then that I've been meaning to have you on for ages. The reason this has now come about, really, is Twitch. Yeah, Cause, man. Cause I'm so glad we get to talk about this. I'm loving Twitch. I've got into, into Twitch recently. You've been on Twitch for a while, and you raided me after one of your streams and again i always think people assume it's insincere when you're like oh hey man i'm a big fan or oh i'd love to have you on or this or that but it's yeah, generally yeah. it's I've, as as you can hopefully tell now com- completely true and it was a great one to go right that 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 made me go oh hang on i need to s- sort this out so how have you found twitch and what what do you enjoy about it you mentioned earlier you want to do more stuff that you're in control of and you're doing yeah. this and that. And that's kind of what I love about Twitch is there's no one else involved in it. It's my schedule. It's my stupid ideas of what I want to play and what I want to do. Yeah. I love it, man. I really love it. Like I was on, I've been on Twitch for four or five years now. Yeah. So like really long time. And 
I was on Twitch weirdly when like Love Island was massive. Yeah. Really getting big, like streaming Fortnite from like my little um like off my PlayStation camera. But again, I didn't tell anyone Amazing. and I'd have yeah. like four people watching and like I was just playing games and like I quite like um, I like performing, so when I was away in Spain, it meant I could, like, even if it's to two or three people, I could just perform. Alfie Brown, the comedian, which I, I really like, he calls it um, long-form social media, yeah. which I really like. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I really, so that's how I view it. Like, I was saying that thing about I hate not having control over how I come across. I'm not really great at making video. I'm so jealous of people, like someone like a Joe Lysett or someone or... Um, uh, like Al Green, who make these like amazing like videos and content on their social yeah. media, which is not only funny, but I feel like gives you like a true representation of them. I just feel like with social media, Al Green is prolific. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's like a real. It's not so. I don't want it to go well or badly or anything. I just want people to tune in and be like, "Oh, the, I I like that guy." for what he's about and that's exactly what Twitch is to me like I feel like I'm saying this a lot recently but that's exactly why I started the podcast because partly or more I want the people who dislike me to dislike me accurately (laughs) if you know if if you know what I mean it's more that it's like I'm fine if you hate me but I don't like you hating this version of me that you've made up that isn't real I'd rather you know the real me and go oh I don't I like that guy cool it's a weird psychological thing there of when you start to get exposure, there's going to come haters and you have to ignore it, but or, or you have to accept it. But it's that that became a weird obsession for me. It's like, oh, you all think I'm far more pretentious than I am or far more this or far more that. It's like, I'm going to do a podcast every week and you'll, yeah, then you can go, oh, I do find him annoying still or not. And it's exactly, I think you're completely right on Twitch. Already, I've only been doing it a month and a bit and the community there already long form social media is exactly that you've got these real interactions with people yeah. i think it's funny you say that because i never thought of it i think that's probably what bothers me about the taskmaster thing yeah like if someone listened to this got to the end of it and then felt the need to go you're a prick on distraction pieces i'd be like well i mean you've done your research i mean if, <laughs> if you do t- tag me in it guys i'll uh i'll <laughs> pass it audio <laughs> don't really he'll, he'll, i'll go on um, i'll go on i'll go on pep's twitch and he'll raid everyone that hates me into my twitch down <laughs> yeah. um no but yeah i feel like that's it isn't it it's a real true control like um up until recently i only played i only played fifa on twitch yeah. just because that's the way i used i just was obsessed with fifa i was playing it far too much like there's a mode in fifa called weekend league so when i was a single man you used to have to play they've changed it now i think for people's health reasons yeah but there was you had to play 40 games on a saturday and a sunday and a wow. game takes half an hour yeah so that's 20 hours of gaming on a saturday and a sunday and i'd complete those games every week that's um so and it's when i was still doing stand-up so i'd literally get up at whatever time play it's- games do a gig at eight o'clock, be back by nine and then just play again. I think FIFA's really interesting because in balance, it's like at points, FIFA has been really important for my mental health because when I've Mm -hmm. had points where I can't stop myself working, everything I'm doing is either emails or work or ideas. FIFA was always the one that if I put FIFA on, I've got the control in my hand. It's not stressing me out. It's not a game that's going to add to my stress, but 
I can spend a couple of hours on that and I won't be on my emails and I won't be doing this or that or thinking about script ideas or whatever yeah. else. But yeah. It's the only time I sit down. 20 hours over a weekend is maybe, too, is maybe yeah, taking too it too much. far. But. but it's the only time I sit... Gaming's the only thing I can sit down and do. Yeah. Like I can't... When I write, I, I, I don't really write stand-up. I sort of do it on stage. If I, all my scripted stuff I write with a, my friend Steve and he sits at a keyboard and I sort of pace up and down. Yeah. But we, me and my wife always joke because... Um, I mean, always joke. That makes us sound like the most boring people alive. It's very occasionally mentioned that like if you do our... <laughs> step count thing i'm always a we can go and we can spend all day together and i'll have four or five thousand more steps than her on the the old pedometer i'd like to clarify we don't joke about that all the time that well, is the I, most i want to <laughs> back you up here by saying me, me and my missus joke about our steps all the time because okay. i'm bloody six foot four and she's f- five foot something so she gets annoyed that we'll go on a walk and she'll have twice as many steps as me <laughs> it's there like, you go. Well, yeah i've just got got a bigger pace it's fine since step counters became part of our society infiltrated our society they've got to be conversed in couples it's it's unavoidable it's got to be dumb <laughs> it also at the age now where i go do you remember i remember when i was a kid my mum would be like what exercise have you done to my mum's like i went for a walk and i remember thinking i'm going for a walk for exercise and now if i get my ten thousand steps and i'm like give us a pint daddy's I mean, daddy's done if, his exercise if, if, if this could be a whole nother podcast but I've become, I genuinely think, similar to you on FIFA there, I think I've become worryingly obsessed with my, my step count because I'm exactly the same. I'm, I don't count it as exercise. Like I'm still on that mindset of is a walk exercise, yet it's still got into my head. And at the moment yeah. on, the, on the, uh, this month, we're recording this on the 28th, I'm on, my average is on over 10,000 a day. What? Which, which, is, which is a big average. And I'm kind of... I know I've got a few days left to push that up to really or to maintain it, and it's like I went for a walk before this podcast, and I'm going to go for a walk after after my stream later. Right, right, right. Because I know, and once next month starts, I can chill because I've not got a high number to maintain. But about halfway through this month, I was like, I'd hit a high number, and it becomes an obsession. Right. I'm obviously I've now got mine up. Yeah. Obviously, go in some. <laughs> I'm averaging. Were you for the month? Yeah. Uh, for the month, what am I for the month? Oh, here we go. 10,815. I'm averaging. It's big. It's big. It gives you your yearly average. Yeah, you can do all of it. Oh, my God. Honestly, it's madness. That's where you start to get obsessed, I'm telling you. Well, there's nothing I can do about 2021, but it was 9,150. But we can't we can't dwell on our failings of the past, can well, we? Well, I want to talk a little bit about the pandemic i guess because when did you get married and when did you have your first child was that were they pre-pandemic or was or did that all happen in the pandemic both in the pandemic so you went we into both... the pandemic with a girlfriend yes and came out with a wife and a kid a wife a cook head and a successful twitch channel what more could you want <laughs> what a pandemic <laughs> absolutely smashed fuck your step count that's a hell of a productive <laughs> pandemic Fuck, fuck your step count. Sounds like a screwiest pip song I've ever I heard one. Definitely does. <laughs> Definitely does. I love it. So yeah, a hell of a pandemic f- for you, I guess, right? 
Yeah, it was it was really nice, man. We'd reached that we'd reached that stage anyway, and then I think there's there's two obvious choices. There's the two that everyone talks about when it comes to pandemic, isn't it? And neither's right, neither's wrong. But it was either the people that held off until they could do everything under normal circumstances, and people that went, "Let's yolo, let's just go for it." Yeah. And I think, like you said, the way um the way my life's panned out so far, it's it's always best just to d- jump in. I feel like I'm much better at just getting. Because I'm not a very organised person, and I'm and I do I, I do worry and I do dwell. Like you know, like I'm still thinking. I mean, Taskmaster, how long was that ago? And I still, I still every, <laughs> I still most days think, oh, imagine if on the first day I'd just gone with like I've just been a bit calmer. I think about that all the time, and that's and th- th- that applies to lots of things, not just that show. So you wonder would you would I ever get anything done if I didn't just go right? Let's um, go ahead and 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 do it, and so. So glad we did because it's so it was sort of fun. It's also funny having a child as pandemic. It, we sort of timed it quite well by coincidence that like basically as people were allowed out their homes, we were sort of emerging from our home as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can meet six people in the park, and we were like, yeah, I think we we're at the stage where we can just about manage that. Yeah, now, we can actually. handle so me- it, introducing our child to about six people. That's, that's it was fun. Perfect. So it, it it was it was really it was really nice, and um, yeah, it was just nice having that. That was really important to me in lockdown, and that's why Twitch was so important as well. Was like just keeping that, like that structure, and having all that stuff in your life that meant you weren't just sort of like days didn't just become yeah. sort of like endless, like indistinguishable globs of time. Yeah, it was nice to have a sort of like um, structure to the whole thing. I've Twitch started. I've started my Twitch just as everyone's kind of coming out or or going out and everything. Every time I see a spike in COVID numbers, I think this Here could be go. big for my channel. This I could be Lemmy, big for I think my channel. Lem, I think Lemmy used to do that all the time when he's <laughs> yeah. whenever people talked about lockdown lifting. He was like, "No, I've got another year of this. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna keep it going." David and Earl is like, ill. David Earl started his at the start of the pandemic, and he's one of my favourite people to, to watch on Twitch. And that was it. He was kind of the opposite. He was like, "Oh, this will last a month or two. and then he had like a year and a half of just. David David Errol is the Joe Wicks of Twitch. Like he was just begging for the thing to end. (laughs) He really was. Let's move on. But that's another thing I love about Twitch is you discover such things. Like, and that's the thing about lockdown as well. Like the the sort of weird experiences. I remember I built the shed in our back garden and I watched David Errol play Cricket 2021. And then I watched Luke Kempner, who have you, he doesn't stream as much at the minute, but do you know Luke Kempner is an impressionist? Yes. Yes. He plays cricket 2021, but he can do all the commentators. He does a brilliant, so he does the commentary like you're listening to, like you're listening to it on like five live. It's amazing. amazing. They- so I basically watched two grown men play a computer game I've never played on a sport that I've never watched for eight hours while I built a shed. And I've- it was, I still look at that day so fondly in my mind. I've got to, f- to, f- to, to 40 with no idea how american football works david earl started streaming american football and now i know everything he does madden he he was doing it as a saturday thing so saturday evenings (laughs) saturday evenings and genuinely i'd be like fucking saturday night come on but yeah he his his cricket 2021 streams were so good he's been put in cricket 2022 he's a manager in the game The, the the they got him in to do a full scan of his face and everything. Oh He's my an in-game. God. Luke, 
Uh, yeah. Luke Kepner. Luke Kepner will be sick. <laughs> well, be- before I, I wrap things up, and I will wrap things up because I've got to go and stream. I've got a big reveal coming today, mate. On on Rust, it's an exciting one. But I've just, by the way, just quickly, I've just, have you ever played? I've just got into. I've been playing Minecraft off stream, so I'm good enough at it that I can play it. Right. And it's, incredible i've tried it i tried it a year or two ago with my goddaughter and didn't get my head around it at all but now i feel now i've been playing rust for a while i feel like i think it's easier it makes logically more sense than rust anyway sorry but um you touched upon earlier um certain shows you 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 watch or love i think and this is going to sound weird because it's huge i think one of the most underrated shows on tv is gogglebox and indeed yes. celebrity goggle box. And the reason I think that is if you you don't watch it, you quite understandably have a snootiness of what? It's just people watching TV. I've got no mm-hmm. interest. Because I had that for ages. I was like, oh, we've hit an all-time low. It's just people watching TV. It's now one of my favourite shows in the world. And the brother and s- s- sister on there are, are responsible for some of my comedy highlights in recent years. And then you bring in... Rylan and his mum you and your missus and it's it's just it's wonderful how was that to be to be part of again like so great like again me and Laura try not to do like stuff like together I did we quite like to have like I can't believe I referred to Laura as as just your missus I I, I hope that goes some way to counter all the articles and that that say that you're punching and she's way out of your league (laughs) But absolute respect to Laura, obviously. But, but, but yeah, continue. Sorry. No, she's yeah. So we don't really tr- we try not to do too much stuff together because you know just because it's nice to keep things separate and like just yeah. it's just nice like it's just the way we like to live our life sort of thing. But when Gogglebox called, you're like, this is this. and then even and our agents were like, I know you don't do stuff together. We're like, hey, whoa, 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 stop talking. It's Gogglebox. We guys. are doing Gogglebox, man. They <laughs> yeah. bring. They say what food you want and they bring it to your house. Amazing. And like, they're so good. The team are so lovely. And like, they just, I know it sounds stupid, but like, they really got on with like the couple of the guys, like big dog people, they really got on with our dog. They bring treats for the dog when they got to the house. Love it. We filmed it in our gaff, which was like really nice. And yeah. And it also, I mean, again, sounds like a PR stunt or something, but the amount of stuff that we, got asked to watch on Gogglebox and then ended up becoming like some of our absolute stalwart yeah. stuff. Like the repair shop, yeah. never even heard of it. Watched it on Gogglebox. Now it's, um, I love a cry. That's my favourite cry, the repair love, shop cry. Mate, I've, I've, so much of these things are with the podcast. I'll get pitched someone for the podcast and I'll be like, I've never heard of them. I don't know that show, but you know, I'll give it a look, I guess. And then I become their biggest fan in a week, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "Let's get them on the podcast." I know everything about them now. They're now, they're now my favorite person in the world. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a brilliant it's brilliant, man. It's really really like such a fun thing to do, and it's nice to, to do it with obviously your your wife is really like it's nice to do that together. Yeah. And then they leave, and you've had a couple of beers and a bit of pizza, and then they leave, and you just carry you just basically carry on, but you. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then you go back to like, oh, what should we watch? And you realise it's actually nice when someone goes, you're watching these four things. Here's your evening's TV. Oh, thank it's God. Great. Yeah, you don't have to argue over, well, 
oh, what do you want to watch? Well, what do you want to watch? Oh my yeah. God. I mean, it's the, it's the tale as old as time in it. The old, basically me, if there's not an action film starring Dwayne Johnson, yeah. that, cause that's, that's what we just put, we just, I was going to say, thankfully it, there's a lot of them. That's so, what, this is what I'm saying. If you're a couple that can't decide on a film yeah. and you obviously, you don't want, ch- you, you don't want challenge, just chuck Dwayne Johnson to a search engine mm. and just click on whatever he's got. Me and my partner have realized that there's no better way for me to realize what w- what I want to watch than for her to pick what we're going to watch. <laughs> I'll give like four options and she'll pick one and I'll be like, no, I think I want to watch this. It's like, well, there you go. That's all we're doing here. This is just an exercise. That's so true. <laughs> Knowing my actual, I'll, I'll genuinely think when I put the four up, I'm happy with any. And then when one selected, it will make me realize, no, I didn't want to watch that. Here's what I wanted to watch. It's the most annoying That's shit ever. Way. Yeah, I just I can't believe you get I can't believe you get final say, mate. You've yeah. got it's absolutely unbelievable it's, scenes, scenes. It's it's it, it it's a constant back and forth. But um, thank you so much for your time, mate. I'm glad we finally got to do this. It's absolutely no, man, it's flown a, by. It's a real it's a real honor. I remember I listened. I w- I'm an OG Russell Brand episode one. I was there. I love it. On a, I was on a train to Peterborough at the time. I sort of weirdly remember. Oh, it. I wow. don't know why. I love that. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me, man. I do really appreciate it. It's great to have you on. It's been a, a pleasure, man. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Ian Sterling. I think you can tell that I really enjoy Ian's company. I enjoy his humour. I enjoy his work. And I enjoy his company. So that was lovely to have a good old chat. As said, check out his Prime special. It's wonderful stuff. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. I'm going to stop rambling on. I'll be back next week, as usual. In fact, I might do two episodes next week. I've basically got loads in the back catalogue. Not in the back catalogue, in the bank. I've been recording loads recently, and there's some crackers, so I reckon I might drop two next week. So until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.